Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. A few weeks ago, I began starting, uh, I started a series called The Revelation of Jesus, and we talked about how Jesus came not just to save us from our sins. Everybody knows that part, right? Jesus came and saved us from our sins. Is everybody pretty familiar with that, right? But, but there's so much more that Jesus did while he was on this earth. And really what we're going to talk about today, while he was on the cross and the resurrection, there's so much even beyond that, that what Jesus did, that while him saving us from our sins was, if that was the only thing the gospel brought us, then it is the most glorious gospel that has ever been preached. Amen. But God always goes above and beyond, supernaturally above and beyond. Amen. And so not only did Jesus come to save us from our sins, but the Bible tells us over and over again. I've been rereading the book of John uh, here these past few weeks. And, I, and it sticks out so many times where Jesus says that I have come to reveal the Father. I have come to represent the Father. That when I, the words come out of my mouth, you are hearing my Father's words. That anything that I do, I do not do unless the Father tells me to do it. That Jesus didn't come to represent himself. He came to represent the Father. So when you look at Jesus, you look at the Father. Amen? So we started talking about that on, uh, a few weeks ago. Then on Easter... I didn't get into a lot of theology. I didn't get into a lot of details. I wanted you to know that the death and the resurrection of Jesus was extremely personal. It was personal. Jesus didn't die for the masses. He died for you. Now, obviously, that's a nuance, but I want you to hear it because it, it makes all the difference in the world. Jesus didn't lump you together with a bunch of people and say, I'm just going to die for all of them. He had you specifically on his mind. It was deeply personal, deeply personal. So, so the cross and the resurrection was deeply personal. This week, I want to go into some detail. What did the cross and the resurrection accomplish? What was the purpose for Jesus going to the cross? Why did he have to die on a tree? Why did he have to be buried for three days and then later rise back from the dead? What was the purpose of all that? We know that it was deeply personal, but why? What did it accomplish? We're going to talk about that this morning, amen? Let's look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Colossians 3, verse 1, it starts like this. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. I could stop right there and preach an entire message on that phrase alone. His resurrection is your resurrection too. We're actually going to get to more of that here so shortly. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of this heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of this natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ. Did everybody catch that? Whose crucifixion was it? Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life 
And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in glory. Church, I could just sit and read Colossians to you and it would be enough to make a shout and run around the room. We've got to get this revelation. Listen to, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to all of this. Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and immorality. Live as one who has died to diseases and desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. That's how you once behaved. Past tense. All of that before was how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. But now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade in disguise. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference. Your ethnicity, education, or economic status, they matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. Amen? I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, okay? A lot of scripture, so stay with me. Let's go back to verse 3. Your crucifixion with Christ. Your crucifixion with Christ. There's a statement that we make a lot as Christians that says that Jesus died on the cross so we didn't have to. And though it's a good statement, and, and listen, I understand what it's trying to say and trying to accomplish. It's trying to say that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin. Colossians chapter, I believe chapter one, I mentioned it earlier, says that he was the sin payment. He was the lamb without blemish, that his blood accomplished that for us, it sacrificed us, that for us. But the problem I have with that statement is that he didn't die so we didn't have to. He died to show us how to die. That that Jesus didn't die on the cross so we didn't have to, that Jesus actually said, here, hold my hand, let's do this together. A.W. Tozer says, the cross that saves us is the cross that slays us. And anything less than that is pseudo faith and not real faith at all. That Jesus didn't die on the cross so we didn't have to. He took us to the cross with him. Your, his crucifixion was our crucifixion, right? Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. If you don't believe me yet, let me prove it to you. Colossians chapter 2, 20 says, For you were included in the death of Christ and have died with him. Colossians 2, 12, For we've been buried with him into his death. 
Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. 2 Timothy 2.11, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Romans 6.2, how shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not realize that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were also baptized into his death? In Romans 6 alone, Paul tells us eight different times that we died with Christ on the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die so we didn't have to. He went to the cross and died to show us how. He led us with him into the cross. Do you see that? Yes, he died for our sins, but the cross did so much beyond that. Why did Jesus have to take us to the cross with him? Why couldn't it just be enough that he was the lamb that was slain? Why, wasn't, why, why was it that and something else? Why did he have to take us to the cross with him? What was the purpose? Let me show you what the purpose was. The cross not only paid the penalty for our sin, it also killed the man of sin in order to change our nature. Let me say that again. The cross not only paid for our sin, but Jesus took us to the cross with him because he killed the man of sin in us in order to change our nature. This is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. This is the revelation of Jesus. Let me put it this way. How many in this room, go ahead and raise your hand with me. How many of you in this room would agree with this statement that Adam's sin Adam's failure caused all of us to be born with the nature of sin. Go ahead and raise your hand if you believe that. This is not a trick question. <laughs> that I think you can ask that question to almost anybody in this room, to anybody really across the, the Western Christianity, and they would tell you that because of Adam's sin, we have all then become uh, that we have all been born into sin, that we were born into Adam, into his nature of sin. Let me show you Romans 12 or 5 verse 12. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered the human experience and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over where? All of humanity. Because all have sin. Adam's disobedience affected everyone who was born after him. We were born into Adam and therefore born into sin. That our nature became Adam's nature. That we, that Adam invited the nature of sin into humanity. And because of that, it says that there was a shadow cast over all of humanity and that Adam's sin affected all of humanity. I want to, let's actually just go there. I'm going to read Romans 5 to you a little bit here so you can see this. I already read verse 12, so let's start in verse 13. Sin was in the world before Moses gave the written law, but it was not charged against them where no law existed. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they had broken a command the way Adam had. The first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Remember that statement. 
Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true that many died because of one man's transgression, but how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man, Jesus, the Messiah did for us. And this free flowing gift imparts to us much more uh, than what was given to us through the one who had sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. Listen, Adam's sin called us all guilty, right? Adam's sin made us all guilty, but this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God acquitted with the words, not guilty. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continues reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of the perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah? That, that through one man's disobedience, all came into sin. But through one man's righteousness, through one man's righteousness, all were made perfect. Let's go back to this verse that it says here. It says that the first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah that was to come. What does that mean? That if Adam brought death into the world, how is Adam a picture of the Messiah? What does Paul mean by that? That Adam is a picture of the Messiah. If Adam brought death, how could he be representative, a representative of the Messiah? I love what Brian Simmons, the, the um, translator of the Passion Translation says. So let's look at the note that he wrote here for this verse. It says, the actions of both Adam and Christ affected the entire world. Death passes to all who are in Adam but life passes to all who are in Christ. Each is a corporate head of a race of people. God sees every person as either in Adam or in Christ. So why was Adam a representation of Jesus? The reason Adam is a representation of Jesus is because through one man's disobedience, that Adam's disobedience affected all of mankind and that because of his disobedience, we are born in Adam. But through one man's righteousness, he affects all of mankind as well. And through his righteousness, when we step into Christ, then we take on his righteousness and new life. Adam is a picture of Jesus because what his one act did affects all of mankind. And what Jesus' one act did affects all of mankind. Do you see that? So Adam becomes a picture of the Messiah, but not because he brings death, but because he brings life. So let's rewind all of this to say, why did, we, why did Jesus take us to the cross? Jesus took us to the cross with him because there was a nature inside of us, a man, an old man, as Romans 6 calls it, that had to be put to death. 
There was a nature that we were born with, that when we were born, we were born into Adam. And that old man had to die in order for the nature and the man of sin that was in us to be killed off. So Jesus did not teach us how to manage sin. He didn't teach us how to try to begin to think rightly. He didn't teach us how to to deal with this issue of sin. Instead, he took us to the cross and just took care of him altogether by killing him with him on the cross. His crucifixion is your crucifixion. His death is your death. That you have died. The old man is dead. Amen? The old man is dead. We had to be crucified with him on the cross because the cross killed the Adam nature inside of us. We had to be crucified with him on the cross because the cross killed the Adam nature inside of us. But here's the glory of all of it. That's good news. That nature is dead, but it doesn't end there. Because Colossians 3.1 tells us that his resurrection finish it for me, is your resurrection. His resurrection is your resurrection. Romans 6, what I believe is one of the greatest passages in all of the Bible. Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin if that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? There it is again. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Listen, a dead man doesn't sin. You have been freed from sin, but not only have you been freed from sin, But it goes on and it says, now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, for your members are instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall no longer have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Come on, church. Come on, listen. Not only did you die to sin, but you were raised to newness of life in Christ Jesus. You are not just dead, you are resurrected and you are a new creation. 
old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That the word says that you actually have the very life that resonates within Jesus. That is the same life that is resonating within you. That his resurrection is your resurrection. That you have taken on a completely new nature. The old man of sin is dead. The nature to sin is dead. You have a new nature and it is the nature of the one who created you. Colossians, Colossians, uh, whatever it is, Colossians 3.10, for you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. His crucifixion was your crucifixion and it severed your tie to Adam. And his resurrection is your resurrection and it unites your life with his. You are no longer in Adam, but you are in Christ. Martin Luther, one of the great uh, theologians, the reformer himself, made a lot of brilliant comments, but there's one comment that he made that is completely inaccurate, which says this. He says that, that we are as filthy dung and we are covered in white snow. How do you like that one? One of the greatest theologians of our times, not our time, he was a long time ago. One of the greatest theologians ever to exist. And he says, we're filthy dung. But don't worry, we're covered with white snow and it's all untrue. You are not filthy dung, covered in snow. You are righteousness. You are holy. You are without blemish because the old man that would have been filthy dung is dead. And not only is he dead, but you have acquired new creation life, which says that you are white as snow, completely clean, that you are holy and without blemish. You are not just taking, you are not just filled or just covered by the father, but you actually have the very righteousness of the father. Christ is not veiled to your, it's not like he puts on the veil to hide sin. He looks at you and he doesn't see sin because it's not there. It was dealt with on the cross. You actually are righteous. You actually are holy. He's not making it up. He's not just being nice. You are those things. The old nature is dead and you have taken on new creation. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. How do we acquire this? How do we acquire this? How do we walk in this? Because I know what many of you are thinking, the same thing that I think. How, if all of this is true, why do I still have an issue with sin? Why do I still walk in sin? Why do I still have this issue? How do I receive this? And the first thing I would say is you receive this the same way you receive your salvation. It's by faith. It's by faith, knowing that his word is true. You begin walking as he said you are. You receive it by faith. But here's the other issue. Why do we still walk in sin? Why do we still 
walk in these sin cycles? Why is it still such a struggle for us to walk in newness of life? That if we have been completely made new, if the nature of sin has actually been dealt with and it is no longer our nature, why do we still struggle with sin? And my answer to you is this, because we have more faith in what Adam did than we have in what Jesus did. We have more faith to believe that Adam's sin had so affected our hearts that we can't help but sin. We have more faith to believe that than we do that Christ came and he died and that his death and resurrection released us from that nature and now we are walking in newness of life. It's actually easier for us to believe that we are still sinners. And that, that, listen, that's how I know. How I know this is because I hear it out of our mouths all the time. What do we call ourselves? Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You were a sinner that was saved by grace, but you are not currently a sinner anymore. That the power of the cross, what does is, what is Romans 5 tell us over and over again? It says that, yes, the one man's sin affected all of mankind, but how much greater did the one man's act of obedience affect us? If you read Romans 5 all the way through again, there's statements like his work was greater or how much better or it was more magnificent. That his work was actually greater than the work of Adam. Yeah, but it's easier for us to believe we are sinners than it is to believe that we are righteous and without spot or wrinkle and that that nature is dead. So when we have more faith to believe that we can walk in sin than we can walk in righteousness, then no wonder we are walking in sin. No wonder we are still dealing with that old man and that old man of nature. And I think what it really is, is what we, we still have like one foot in both sides. We, we still think that we're, we're like, like 60% still sinners, but, but we're, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're, uh, we, you know, we believe that, that we're, uh, we're righteous, but you know, once we get to heaven, then we will experience full purity and full holiness and all of those things. That's not what the word says. That the work of the cross 2000 years ago was the only work needed to make you righteous, holy, and clean. And that you are not 60% a sinner and 40% righteous. You are 100% righteous and holy and that you carry the very nature of God inside of you. And I believe the way to activate that inside of you is to begin walking in faith, believing that his work was more than enough to accomplish my righteousness and my holiness and my purity. That we begin believing that that nature is dead. That it is actually against our nature to sin. That it's awkward to walk in sin because it's no longer our nature anymore. That we are actually the righteousness of a God in Christ Jesus. We have more faith right now in Adam than we do in Christ. And it's time that we begin believing the word and understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The problem is, is we are trying to control our compulsion to sin. When the father gave us new creation life and renewed the likeness and, or, and renewed us into the likeness of the one that created you. 
We're still trying to control compulsion to sin. We're still trying to manage sin when God killed it. And it says that we've been given new creation life. And it says that we are being made into the likeness of the one that created us. Let me ask you a question. Does God have compulsion to sin? No. If we, if the nature of sin has been dealt with inside of us, and Colossians 3.10 is telling us that we are being made into the likeness of the one that created us, then I believe that we can be so in Christ, so in our new nature, that our compulsion to sin doesn't even exist anymore. That we no longer even have a desire to walk in the sins that we walked in in our previous life. That it's no longer a craving for us anymore. That it's no longer even a temptation because we have been so created into his likeness that the man Adam is so dead inside of us that we can actually begin to take on the likeness of God himself and be without the compulsion to sin. And we begin taking on his compulsions. We begin taking on his characteristics. What are his characteristics? Love, joy. Let me say that again. Joy, peace, kindness, patience. That we're, our nature can become so like his that the idea of sin, that the compulsion to sin no longer even resonates inside of us. But church, in order to begin walking into that, we have to have more faith that what he did on the cross and what he did with the resurrection was so ours that it completely did away with all of this over here. That you no longer have Adam's nature, but you have the nature of the one who created you. Do you believe it, church? We don't have to have compulsion to sin anymore, but we can walk in newness of life. Amen. Church, this is the revelation of Jesus. That his crucifixion is our crucifixion. That his resurrection is our resurrection. That you are no longer in Adam, but you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, the human mind can be kind of weird sometimes. We can hear some of this stuff and we can understand it up here but it takes, it takes something supernatural for it to get inside of us. And this is, this is one of those messages that can be difficult to fully embrace, that you may understand it with your mind, but it's hard to actually step into it because we've been so trained. 
we've been we've we've so we've had so many thoughts about ourselves that is contrary to the word of God that it can be difficult to break that train of thought. We've been taught something for so long that we've really taught ourselves that is untrue and it can be difficult to unlearn it. But I believe that this morning that the father can come in and supernaturally break that wrong mindset and that the real revelation of Jesus can come in. And that revelation is that not only did he forgive you of your sin, but he actually destroyed the nature to ever do it again. That the cross is that good. That the resurrection is that good. That he broke the power of sin over you. And you actually are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we just pray this morning. God, that you would begin reteaching us who we are. Father, that you would begin showing us this truth that we are not half in Adam and half in Christ, but we have been fully brought into new creation life. That we are in Christ and he is in us. We are not snow covered dung, Father but we are actually righteous. We are actually holy. That the compulsion to sin can actually be done with. That our compulsion can be for love, joy, and peace. And Father, that 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 old nature, that old desire can actually be dealt with because you already dealt with it on the cross. That your crucifixion was ours. Father, I pray that you would begin recreating this revelation inside of us. God, that we would not just have understanding, but Lord, that our lives would be lived out in new creation life. And I I believe that this revelation, it does so many things. I believe it breaks so many chains on the inside of us. Any addiction that we have, that we feel so stuck in, it's broken already on the cross. That's not your nature. That addiction is not yours. If it's not, if it's not the one, if it's not like the one who created you, then it's not you. Because you are made in his image. The cross, the cross re uh, put you in his image. And if it's not in his image, then it's not in your image. If it's not a part of his nature, then it's not a part of your nature. So right now, I break that lie over you in the name of Jesus. You are not an addict. You are, you are, not, uh, you are not addicted to pornography. You are not addicted to alcohol. You are not locked into depression. You are not a person who falls into lies and falls into deception. That is not your nature because it is not his nature. That is not your nature because it is not his nature. The old man is dead. Behold, all things have been made new. You are a new creation in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. I feel 
I feel like the Lord wants us to uh, have a response in this this morning. That if you are you have struggled with an addiction, if you have struggled with a sin issue, if you have struggled with an identity issue, or maybe uh, uh, maybe it's even a, a, a depression issue or or something along those lines, I want to break that over you right now, supernaturally, in the power of Jesus, and say that is not your nature anymore. That is not who you are anymore. It was dealt with 2,000 years ago when Jesus bled and died on the cross. And it was, it was put into the grave with him. And when he was raised from the dead and you were raised from the dead, that nature stayed in the grave with him. That nature stayed in the grave. So if you're struggling in any of those areas, and, and it could be something other than what I just said, and you're feeling that, that, uh, that, that, that compulsion, that conviction, from the Holy Spirit this morning, that I want you to respond by stepping forward this morning. And we just want to pray over you this morning in that. I just invite you to come. And with that invitation as well, I want to invite anybody who has never accepted Jesus before into their lives. This is what it's about. It's not about praying a prayer. It's not about you praying a prayer and God signing off that you can now enter into heaven. What it's about is breaking the sin nature inside of you. Not only does he forgive you of our sins, not only does he uh, offer mercy and grace to you, but he actually breaks the power of sin in your life. And it's not about just praying a prayer and then going on with life. It's about actually having a brand new life altogether. So if you have never accepted Jesus before, then I invite you to come as well. Or if you have accepted Jesus, but you have been walking in addiction and you've been walking in sin cycles and you've been walking with one foot in Adam and one foot in Christ, then I want you to come forward so we can pray over you and that the Lord can supernaturally come in and begin breaking those things over you. In Jesus' name, if that's you, I invite you just to come forward this morning.
have a nature of sin anymore, but you have a nature like your father's. You are created in his likeness. I want to challenge you this week. I want you to read your Bible. Amen. Read chapter Romans chapter five and six. Read the entire book of Colossians. And if you don't have time for that, at least read Colossians chapter three. I want, I want this to become so ingrained inside of us that we are no longer confused about who we are and what nature we have. That we are the likeness of God in Christ Jesus. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are made in his likeness, amen.